Hello, friends, and welcome to a very happy Monday edition of the Kings of Anglia Ipswich Town podcast. The sun is shining outside Heath Towers. I am back. Most importantly, football is bloody back. Ipswich Town came back on Saturday at Needham Market, one of Suffolk's finest and biggest non-league sides, and they absolutely tonked them 7-0. So, friends, today we will be discussing where and when the Open Top Bus Parade should be held for Ipswich Town inevitably winning League One. Um, I'm joined, of course, I'm your host, Mark Heath. I'm joined by three of my fellow Kings who are all there at Needham in the sun on Saturday. So I'm hoping we can have a right good chat about it and get a good breakdown. I'm going to start with Stuart Watson. Stewie, Ipswich Town are going to win League One next season. Am I right? Guarantee it for me, please. Yeah, guaranteed. Absolutely. uh, (laughs) 7-0. Probably win by that scoreline. I would suggest it every week, minimum, going forwards. That's exactly where we're going with this. Um, Mickey, the big porker bacon, how are you, my friend? I'm very well, thank you, the Heath man. I'm very proud to say how much we missed you last week. Of course you did, yeah. Um, Mike is going to be constantly kind of muting himself during today's pod because there's more work going on at Bacon Towers. The house never seems to be finished. The royalties are rolling in from 38 Sleeps, available at all good uh, bookstores and definitely on Amazon, uh, Mike. So you're, you're, when's the pool going in? Well, I'm not having a pool as such, but I've got a little story here. I've got the man doing the shutters. Can you see the shutters behind me? Well, there's more shutters going upstairs. There, here's a story, all right? Not yeah. only is this man fitting the shutters, Graham, he's also Glenn Keeley's son-in-law. Glenn Keeley, for older viewers, listeners, yeah. ex-Ipswich Town, played five games back in the 70s, then went on for a big career at New- Newcastle, or bigger career at Blackburn Rovers in the 70s. Glenn Keeley, anyone remember him? Of course you lot don't, but I do, and a lot of our fans will. So, and yeah, so there we are, so we've been chatting. Between you and me, and the wife's not here today, we've been chatting for about an hour, so he's a bit behind between you and me. But there you go, he's done well, and, um, and he's cracking on now. I've told him to be quiet, but if you hear a bit of drilling in the background, I'm sorry that, but it is Glenn Keeley's son-in-law. So we, <laughs> so we, we do it, to be fair, come on, guys, he used to play for Ipswich, Glenn Keeley, so let's let, give a, a little bit does what he wants. Here. does what he wants. Yes, he does what he wants, exactly. That's exactly right. He does what he wants. So and, he and- bursts in here and says, you know, can I borrow your screwdriver? Then I'm sorry, I'm just going to have to go and help him. I can't, you know. Yeah. That's the way it is. That's fair enough. Uh, just just to clarify, there, Mike was saying shutters, not a word you want to say too quickly. Um, and finally, of course, the prospect, the beard, the man who was very excited, I'm sure, to be at Needham on Saturday, Roscoe Rossholes. Uh, it was a dead rubber on Saturday against Newman. <laughs> As you know, that is my uh, is my cliche response. Oh, I we had to, to wait another nine months before you started rolling <laughs> your new phrase out again. Yeah, yeah. But no, it was great um, to be back at Newham, seeing all the town fans, just seeing the boys in person as well. I know I've been chilling with Stu on Wednesday nights at the five side, but um, it was just good to see the lads in person again as well. Fantastic. Right then. Boys, let's, without further ado, let's dive straight into Saturday. Ipswich Town were back in action in June, mentally. New kits, new players, um, 7-0 win in, 30, in, uh, in in two halves of 30 minutes. Impressive stuff. Um, first question, Mike and, and Stu, when did you decide you were going to turn up in, in matching white T-shirts? Um, I don't know if the, if the people have seen the video at the end of the game. You looked... There was a, a kind of ethereal, heavenly sort of glow to you. Um, it looked like one of those sort of cult videos. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously you, you were breaking it down. So you look, you looked fantastic, Stu. A lot of comments about just how jacked you look, my friend. Um, clearly, you've been putting on muscle over the uh, over the close season. Um, I'm going to start with you, Stu, because you're the main man when it comes to Ipswich Town. What did you make of it all? Uh, we agreed on the white t-shirts, obviously the night before. Yeah. Always sending sending the text back before what you wear and yet white t-shirt. I'll go with that as well. Um, Ross needs to answer the questions about what was going on with that that weird effect on the video. <laughs> what, what happened there, Ross? I don't know, to be fair. I think it's, once again, my, my, my cameras and stuff, they're trying to get back to pre-season. They've been, you know, collecting dust. So maybe it's just, mm. yeah, one-time thing. Hopefully it won't happen again. Wait, did you press the wrong button? <laughs> no, I just think it was just a bit, just, yeah, I think I put my thumb on it and maybe, yeah. I, okay. I was eating some chicken and a jack of potato oh, beforehand, nice. and uh, maybe yeah. Okay. Uh, so sorry about that, but I thought it looked good. Good. Well, like, well I'm, glad, I'm glad we cleared that up. What did you What did you make of the game? What did uh, I make uh, of the game? Yeah. Um, classic first preseason game where you get two completely different teams in each half. Um, 
we had 30 minutes in each half, uh, which is un- unusual. But this is an early start, isn't it? I know the season starts early. We're going to have a, a, an opening game in, in July, which is very mm. rare. Um, when we signed in, Needham Market was saying, we don't normally play this early in pre-season. The lads have only just come back. And, but when Ipswich Town say they want to come, then you make sure you play because it's a good little payday for them. I think that was their highest ever attendance there at Needham, the best wow. part of... 1,800 fans, I think, in, in the end. They managed to squeeze into Bloomfields. Um, yeah, it, it is what it is. It's, it's a decent decent little run out. There's a few few little tidbits that we can take away from it in terms of players back from injury formations, um, some, some performances from the youngsters and, and things like that. But, but my overall takeaway is it was just a really nice community day out where the fans got to interact with their players and be, uh, you know, be close to... Uh, to the, their heroes that they're going to be supporting up and down the country for the next nine months. Yeah, I'm basically going to be like a fan today, friends, because I, I was quite jealous of the boys being there on Saturday. Obviously, I was away, um, but it's always nice to be there at the very first preseason game when you get to see the kits and the players and everything for the first time. Mike, you obviously have a lengthy and long career um, and contacts in non-league, so it must have been tremendous for you to be at Needham, one of the top non-league setups in Suffolk. Beautiful pitch, by the way. Um an absolute carpet of a surface. How was it for you on Saturday before we get into the, the nitty gritty of what we can take away from it all? Um, yeah, look, I, and I really enjoyed it. I thought it was terrific. And um, it's, as Stu rightly says, you don't get too excited about it all um, on the pitch top wise because obviously it's just a nice run around. But Needham, Needham Market, one of Suffolk's top non-league sides, great little setup there. I think mm. Ipswich now we're pretty impressed um, by, by it all. And why not? There's lots of other good non-league setups in Suffolk as well. Um, I really enjoyed it. I like the interaction of the fans and just, I mean, poor Christian Walton, I must tell you about 20 minutes to get off the pitch he was signing so he's done so many selfies and photos but the Ipswich Town boys were absolutely terrific nothing was too much for them they stopped for every person I think there was one stage of Stewie Point where he said look Kieran McKenna over there his head was stuck through a railing having a photo <laughs> a, a first selfie with a guy a little girl the other side a little boy the other side um they couldn't get through so he still stuck his head right through the rain just have a selfie it was that type of day you know um the football side was one thing but I mean from a committee look I mean I I, I, I did a piece in my, in my column this uh, this morning and just said about the Suffolk Premier Cup, which is a big non-league competition um, mm. in, in, in Suffolk. And Ipswich Town pulled out of it about four, seven or eight years ago for reasons best known to them um, for about three years. Absolute, um, you know, d- disaster for them, you know, for, from what the fans thought about it. I mean, they were furious at Ipswich Town. I mean, they, they don't expect you to put the first team out, but just put some, surely you can enter some team in your in your county cup competition, even all the top teams that have, all around the all around the country out of their county competitions. But anyway, Ipswich are back in it now. They send an under 18 team invariably. But it was good. It was just nice to see people. I mean, there was that I mean town fans terrific, aren't they? I mean maybe 1500 of them. They loved it. You know, singing and chanting and just straight back into it. It's it was great. Really enjoyed it. Really right. Enjoyed uh, it. most important question clearly I'm going to put to Rossi. How good did those new kits look in person, Ross, in the sun on athletes, players? Um, what did it look like? They look beautiful. They look yeah. absolutely beautiful. Yeah, it looked, and of course we saw the new goalkeeping kit for the yeah. first time as well. But that that looked nice. But it just looks great. And you know when you got toned footballers looking all good. Uh, Dominic Ball, Freddie Left Dapo's bigger in person once again. Um, they just look fantastic. And um, you know I know I know it's only need a marker. I know it's only friendly, but it's good to see some goals, see some celebrations, see the pictures of the players for the very first time. I'm sure a lot of town fans who are maybe um and ahhing about getting the kit, they'll go, nope, going to get it now. Um, but they look nice and uh, it, it wasn't too hot as well. That's always my takeaway from pre-season. It wasn't too hot the day. It was <laughs> nice. It was overcast a few times. It was just the right temperature for me. But uh, yeah, good day all around. There's your takeaway. Just the right temperature from Roscoe. You weren't, you weren't in the press box being Stu or anything. That's the right <laughs> temperature. It was like a, like a bloody microwave oven in there, wasn't it, Stu? Yeah, I think I lost about a, a stone in, in sweat just be sitting in that sort of perspex box just on the top of a sort of set on some stilts, isn't it? You kind of walk up to it and, uh, yeah, that was that was hot in there. No air con. Don't they know who you are? They should have had someone following around with a little fan. Keep you, keep you, keep you cool. Stewie, I mean, do don't, they do... don't, get, don't get me wrong. It's not many non-league clubs have a press box. So neither are really <laughs> actually, you know, they're actually sort of high up there in the in the, yeah. in the in the stakes of having one. So fair play to them. Not criticise them at all. But it's just it was just very hot. But come from a speedway background, I'm usually stuck in a microwave oven, uh, speedway press box. So quite frankly, it was enough for me. But yeah, I think I lost. I think I lost half a half nearly half a stone as well. So um, 
Oh, your heroes both. Um, Stewie, do they do a do they do like a muscle fit version of the of the new town shirt for your new jacked up physique? <laughs> I've got no idea. Um, thank you for <laughs> noticing, Mark. I've just by the way, I've just had a little fly buzz. It's going backwards and forwards past my microphone. So if you're picking up on that, I will try and deal just with want... that as we go on throughout this. That sounds. If I'm very, flapping uh... around wildly. That's what's <laughs> that's, going on. That sounds very final. I will try and deal with that. Um. Let's deal with the, the the good stuff then. Let's talk about the players, Stewie, and what we can take away. Um, give us give us your first thoughts on what we saw and what we can take away. Because for me, there's two things I want to talk about. Obviously, the new boys, um, good to see them involved and score. Uh, and also the formation. When I saw the formation um, was, was something that obviously raised a lot of eyebrows. So start where you want to, and maybe we can have a little bit of a roundtable discussion. What, what do you want to start with in terms of things we learned, as it were? I'll start with the formation. I think we're, we're all expecting that Kieran McKenna, the success of the, the back three and the, the lack of goals conceded last season and the way Wes Burns was utilised on that, that right side in what Kieran McKenna called like a hybrid system with Wes Burns playing very, very high up the pitch and it became a bit lopsided at, at times. But I still kind of thought there was enough success in that system that they'll go with it again. And they may well do that. It may well have just been the players that were at Kieran McKenna's disposal for, for game one. Obviously, Wes Burns not being one of them. He doesn't join up with the squad until the middle of this week, having been away with Wales. Um, but I started off looking at it thinking, yeah, that's that's the back three as, as normal. And then as time went on, about 10 minutes in, we sort of all looked at each other and went, no, that's a back four, isn't it? And it was it was a return of the old Paul Cook favourite, 4-2-3-1. We saw it in both halves, completely different 11s. Part of that may have been the fact, the sort of shortage of centre-halves. Elkan Baggett's another one who's not available at the moment. Uh, extended break for him, having been away with Indonesia. So, ultimately, there wasn't six centre-halves to, uh, to, to put out there over the course of the two halves. Se- second half, we actually saw Rakeem Harper play centre-back, um, which McKenna says, don't read too much into that. It was just a case of getting all of my 22 players out on the pitch at various stages. Um, but nevertheless, I thought that was quite interesting to see. It might be something that, whether it's going to be something that he he looks at as plan A or potentially as a plan B, it was just quite interesting to see that um, yeah. in operation. Um, Matt Penny, I thought that of, of the full-backs, it was the left-sided ones that got forward the most. Obviously, you've seen Matt Penny and Greg Lee mm. both scored from left-back. And, and the, the man in front of them in both halves was very tucked in. It was Chirewa in the first half, uh, Tommy Hughes in the second. They both sort of played very narrow on the inside that gave a lot of space for the overlap. Um, Janoy Danassian in the first half was a lot more uh, reserved in terms of his attacking play that we're used to seeing sort of him bombing forward and uh, you know getting in support of Burns. It wasn't quite the case with him. Um, in in that first half, El Mazzuni played right back in the second half and did quite well actually. But um, yeah, that that was an interesting point. The formation, I would say. Yeah, it's one to keep an eye on. I think going forward, isn't it? As you say, it might just be a wrinkle that McKenna was using for the first game. If he, if it continues, maybe if they line up like that against West Ham the next time they play, that will be maybe something worthy of more discussion. Yeah, I mean, I guess the argument is as much as they kept the goals out last season and defensively mm. very very good goals four wasn't wasn't as much as Ipswich would like and that's something that they need to address and maybe having three centre-halves limits what you're doing in an attacking sense. So maybe that's mm. just something that they're looking at, trying to get some more some more bodies at the, the higher end of the football pitch. We'll, we'll see. Watch this space, as they say. Um, Mike Bacon, very exciting. It was the first time we got to see three of Town's four new signings in action. Dominic Ball, Freddie Ladapo, Greg Lee all played. Lee and Ladapo both scored. Your review, please, for the people who weren't there. How did they look? Um, Ross has already alluded to Freddie Ladapo looking like a unit up close and in person. What did you make of them? How did they perform? Um, well, I'm not going to go on the physical aspects um, like Ross says. I mean, I'm, I'm really judging them more as footballers, really. I mean, I can't care less <laughs> if they're like seven foot wide. I mean, I'm really interested how they play. I did say to Stu, actually, after about five minutes, this Dominic Ball is a bit of a player. We're going to like him. And Stu said, well, he's obviously oh, he's going to be your man for the season. And he is. Um, so that is just as Joe Piggott was last year. So I hope that we have a bit more success with them. <laughs> I, I, I quite like Dominic. I think he's going to be... I think he'd be quite an important player. I don't know why, just because he just sits there nicely and he's he just he's just going to do the simple things well. And he did mm. them on Saturday. I like watching him. He was good. Um, uh, Greg Lee did he did 
really well down that left. I mean, crikey, he spent more. He spent the whole. There was the whole match in the penalty area in Needham's penalty area. He was he was up and down. He did he did really well. Um, I mean, these guys only had thirty minutes, so I mean, you, you know, you can't, can't overjudge them, can you? But he was, he, he, you know, what the ball, he looked lively, um, you know, and obviously, yes, Mister Mister Ladapo's finish, I suppose, was that was the was the was the piece de resistance, a sort of a little turn and chip the way. It was rather unfortunate, and I really saw it because I don't know what happened. I don't know who scored about twenty seconds before either Connor Chaplin or Tommy Hughes. I can't remember which one it was, but as we're all scribbling down and and, and tweeting and Facebooking and Instagram and all the other extremely exciting things you have to do as a journalist these days rather than actually watch the game um when we actually looked up mr ladapo had turned and dink and it, the ball was digged over the head into the net fantastic finish we did just catch that um but yeah look i think all three will be be quite pleased and i think town fans will be pleased with what they saw i would have thought so anyway well so you were pitch side obviously what did you make of them apart from the physical dimensions of, of ladapo and uh, to be honest i mean obviously if town had signed a seven foot wide player that would be worth noting um, but for me, I'm quite interested in that. If the Dapo is obviously, you know, a physical player, a bit of a unit up front, that for me interests me. But um, what did you make of them? Yeah, Dominic Ball impressed me straight away. Um, once again, I don't think Pitcher's doing a bit justice because he is a, he's a unit as well. Um, mm-hmm. He was getting stuck in. I know we were playing Needham Market, a non-league team. I think a lot of their young players were playing, so a lot of them aren't probably grown yet. They're very skinny and stuff, but... For, for me, just Dominic Ball stood out straight away. And then, yeah, Ladapo getting a goal. That's always good for a strike. You like to mm. score early on. I know it's only against Nina Market, but it's always good to score. Um, and Greg Lee, yeah. I said last week, I said to Stu, he's one of my boys now. Um, and um, he impressed me straight off the bat. And uh, I think for anybody, you know, it's a good run out. Get your legs ready to go. Um, and yeah, I was impressed by them all. Are you are we allocating boys early doors? So Mike's, Mike's claimed ball. Ross has already got Lee. That means one of us needs to take the Dapo, um, Stewie. I'm, I'm trying to stay out of having boys because I curse everyone that I uh, I take under my wing and give ridiculous nicknames to, um, as Ooh. we know. By the way, he feet Ross Crane yeah. played for Nina Market. Did he? On Saturday, he did. The Crane Train. I assume yeah. he was absolute flames, was he? He was all right. He actually scored. <laughs> we, um, I, I'm sure we're going to get onto that. But we had, we had a penalty shootout, and he actually scored one of the penalties for Needham, and he, he shushed the town fans. Oh, they were giving him a bit of stick. He <laughs> did, yeah. Yeah, he, he had a, he actually had a, he actually had a couple of little bursts up the left wing, didn't he? I did notice he did actually have a little couple of little runs. Crane, he's a he's decent player. Disc- absolute, absolute disgrace at town. I've let him go. Anyway, um, but moving on. I, I want to say, uh, Rossi, just on. Obviously, I was away last week, but I, I, uh, I was tuning into everything that was happening. Um, and when Town signed Greg Lee, I immediately went, "Who?" Um, and that, but then I listened to your your insight video with the uh, the guy from Morecambe. And excited me. He sounds like he ticks all the boxes for what McKenna wants. Extremely athletic, bombs forward, got a leap of like five foot in the air. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him play. Uh, Stewie, what else can we take away? Obviously, we should mention Connor Chaplin got a hat-trick, of course. Yeah. Uh, and Tommy Hughes scored. And I know McKenna singled him out for praise after the game as well. Yeah, I'm just going back to you talking about the, the physical attributes of the new signing. And I know yeah. sort of Mike flippantly sort of said about you know, let's judge them as footballers. And and of course that is that is correct. But mm. it is clear that Kieran McKenna has, when he talks about carefully selecting the attributes of players that are going to add some things that were missing from last season. And I do think physical attributes, be that pace, athleticism, physicality, mm. it you know, that is a common theme amongst these these players that he's brought in thus far. You mentioned Ladapo and um, Lee Ball as well. Um, yet to see Tyrese John Jules. He was the one of the four summer signings not there. Mm. Um, he picked up a, a quad injury towards the end of last season on loan at Sheffield Wednesday. It sounds like he's pretty close to coming back, but they're just going to ease him back into the program. But yeah, how many how many times have we talked in League One about Ipswich maybe running into an Accrington or a Rotherham and getting bullied and outfought and things like that? So I think McKenna very quickly has. Has, has identified that. We wondered whether he would be, you know, fantastic coach who's worked at an elite level. Is he going to be able to adapt to, to League One football and how different he is? Straight away, he's identified some of the areas that they need working on. Um, Chaplin, yes, we, we've got to give him a big, big shout out, a, a hat trick off the back of 
was it 11, 11, 12 goals, I think, 12, mm. I think he got in his, his debut campaign, went a little bit under the radar in terms of what he brought to the team because he wasn't a starter every week. But that goal return for him was fantastic, really, considering he, he never nailed down that starting spot and, and a hat-trick, no matter who the opposition uh, will do his confidence wonders, you you would have thought, heading into the start of this pre-season campaign. He played as the sort of number 10 in that second 30 minutes. Yes, it was against a, a tiring, younger Needham 11. One of them was a close-range finish. One of them was a header that he didn't really have to jump for. The marking left a lot to be desired. And, and the, uh, the hat-trick goal was a heavily defective free kick off the edge of the wall. But it's a hat trick, and that's what the uh, that's what the scoreline will say. So he'll he'll take some good confidence from that. Um, and I want I want to give a good mention to Tommy Hughes. Really, actually, who I said played on the left side um, of that four two three one in the second half. Got got his goal again. Just sort of finished off a, a decent team move. It's which were getting balls in constantly from from wide and finished off a few of those. He's had a couple of really bad injuries, injury hit seasons and Ipswich kind of, when I spoke to Gary Probert a few weeks back, um, they talked about doing the right thing and giving players like that another year to, you know, to give them the chance to get fit again. They've done it with Ben Morris as well, who's, who's had some bad injuries, but for him to get back and and be in the first team picture, albeit in the early stages of the pre-season, uh, Deserves a lot of credit for that. And Kieran McKenna was uh, very quick to sort of highlight in post-match as well. So, um, yeah, well done, Tommy. There's, t- there's a couple more players. Sorry, as I say, for being a bit of a fan here, because, you know, when I when I see players who played, um, I'm interested in how certain players have done over others, maybe. And there's, there's two more names I want to throw at you, Mike. One is, is Kyle Edwards, because clearly we know what a talent that young man is. And it's tremendous to see him back on the grass. And by all accounts, he did pretty well. And the other one is your boy from last season, Joe Piggott. Um, who obviously may now be on the outside looking in in terms of striking options. Um, what did you make of those? Um, well, Carl Edwards really impressed me. I, I thought he had a cracking little um, 30 minutes there over on the right-hand side. He must have he mm. must have crossed the ball about five, six times. He must have set up half a dozen chances or five chances, shots mm. or crosses and stuff. He did. He looked lively, which was nice because, you know, Wes Burns has taken, sort of, has taken on so much as, a, you know, as our fast wingman. This, Edwards has clearly got a lot about him, hasn't he? We saw at the start of... Last season, his trickery and his excitement, and we've it never really totally came off. Was he, was he playing on the left then, or on the right? No, he's on the right. He was, he was, right. He was wide right, and 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 the, the, the picking the ball out. Tell me, okay, with all due respect, the game is up against Needham Market's left back, who, who who stuck to his task well. To be fair, so I'm not knocking it, but I mean, obviously, it's going to be. But the fact Ed was want to take people on and little tricks and stuff was was great to see. He's obviously looking fit and confident, and that's mm. the main thing. Um, as for for Joe Piggott, well, you know, I, I just. It just doesn't seem to happen for him. It didn't really happen on Saturday. He didn't really had one shot. I think he sort of scuffed a bit. Um, I don't know. I just sometimes it's not just necessarily. I just sometimes think we don't have enough people in the box. I still say that, and I just I still say we don't have enough people in the box. I, I know that's the way we've been playing, and that's all changes. Is I don't know. But sometimes yeah. I saw Piggott turn and sort of look, and he's on the you know he's, he's thirty five yards out from goal, and he's having to turn at three or four defenders, and there's no one around him. Yeah, his natural instinct is to drop and link yeah. players, and he's he's. Yeah. He's more of a 10 than a 9, I yeah. think. And um, he goes dropping to link play and then he's got no one to link to. And, and then yeah. all of a sudden he's got two or three around him and mm. he'll do one or two good touches, look like he's going to turn his way out and then eventually gets crowded out. And you just you see his body language. You know, watching him, you kind of think, oh, you just get frustrated and you can see that frustration in him. You say he sort of snatched a bit of a chance in the first half. Yeah. And I think... Um, it's looking increasingly inevitable that I would say later in the window that, that Joe Piggott will be finding in himself a new club at some stage, which um, which is a shame, but not as as Mark Ashton and everyone has said last year was, a, I think they called it a wild summer and that they, they knew that probability-wise that not every signing they would have would come off. And a bit like Scott Fraser, Joe Piggott's just fallen into not, not quite happened camp, but... Um, yeah, I mean, who, who else could we pick out? I, th- I think Kane Vincent Young deserves a little mention as well. You mentioned Carl Edwards, lively on the right side in the first half. Kane Vincent Young played as a sort of a the right-sided attacker ahead of a right-back in the second half. And uh, he got just as many balls into the box as, as Carl Edwards did, actually. So we know Wes Burns may be away with, with Wales, potentially at a World Cup. 
this season. Um, I know Wes Burns was really robust last year. He managed to kind of keep playing through little niggles. I think he had an Achilles issue. We know he, he takes a lot of kicks with the way he plays. I just wonder if, you know, we all hope, touch wood, that he gets through another season like it. But I think it's really prudent for Ipswich not to kind of hang their hat entirely on Wes Burns doing what he did last season. Mm. So in both Edwards and Vincent Young, both sort of showed that there's people ready to step in and, and fill his shoes, hopefully, uh, if needed. And I'd like to, I'd like to pay a little one little point out to Mr. Morsey, Mr. Sam Morsey, because he was and I mentioned this in my comment today. He was on the receiving end of a bit of a robust challenge in the second half by a Needham player, come sliding in and sort of whacked him up in the air. And um, it wasn't over dangerous; it was just a mistimed tackle. But I know I sort of watched to think, uh oh, nice friendly afternoon, sun is shining, <laughs> everyone's enjoying themselves. What is going to happen here? And Morsey just got up. And he didn't even look at, I mean, the ref was straight over and the guy, the leader part was obviously like, oh, you know, Moyes didn't even look at either of them, just got up, jogged off, didn't say a word to the ref, didn't say a word to them. I thought, nice, nice to see. Save your, yeah. save your aggression for uh, for July, for July the 30th, Sam. Good old <laughs> he didn't good do boy. a Flynn Downs. He didn't go, and, go and stick no. his head in on him in a pre-season friendly, no. I thought to myself, oh no, oh no, what's this, what's this, what's this lad gone and done? I don't remember it was. <laughs> I thought, what's he gonna do? He just wiped Morsey out in the middle of the park for no reason. And but Morsey terrific. Just got up and just jogged off. And I thought, well, yeah. hopefully he's storing all that in his head, the aggression exactly. for the, the start of the season. Rossi, I'm gonna I'm gonna end this with you. Um, because there's a couple of other things I want to talk about off the pitch. We should mention, of course, the uh the immaculately bearded Mark Steed uh was was watching on, having been at the uh the the Thursday breakfast hobnobbing with with Stuart Watson and others um when the fixtures came out. Excellent um, facial hair, Ross. Obviously, you're our you're our lead man on facial hair. Well, first of all, what did you make of of his beard? And also, I've noted, by the way, um, again, I'm slightly disappointed this is not being brought up. But Mark Ashton and Kieran McKenna seem to be now going to the same outfitters. Um, they've got the same shoes. They're wearing the same trousers. Um, so yeah, that's certainly one to keep an eye out for uh, this season, friends, going forward. But Rossi, Mark Steed. That is a, a whole different level. Uh, my beard, I get praise for it, but him and the moustache, he's got like this. I don't know what you call that. Are you, are you tempted to go with a little a little Twizzler? Uh, poss- nah, I don't think I could put it off. I think he can put it off. He's a, he's a cool dude and um, he's a really nice chap as well. You know, we had an opportunity to chat to him up in the, the hub at Nina Market where the boys were doing their stuff and I was at it and game day and stuff, but um, he had a nice little chat. And um, I've actually got his sunglasses. He, um, he left his sunglasses. Um, and whack him on, Rossi. Whack him on. Go on, him. Um, I know Mark. Mark said he listens to the pod. So hello, Mark. Hope you're doing well. So there we go. Oh, look at that. Yeah. Yes. What make? Um, what make are they? I imagine they're Oakley. Are they or something? It's actually Under Armour. Oh. So, yeah. But um, he he will hopefully get them back when um next time he's back in the UK and back to Portmore. I think probably July 30th for the big opening game of the season but um but yeah mark was a, a really nice guy and I, i'm sure he just enjoyed being in sunny suffolk seeing meeting all the fans for the first time and uh everyone's so welcome aren't they in suffolk everyone's probably just you know he, he jokingly said I, I don't know if anybody will know who i am but i'm sure stand next to mark astion everyone will know who you are yeah it's hard to miss with that excellent facial hair where else friends would you get insight like that um ross has stolen mark steed's glasses <laughs> <laughs> and we've told you, we've told you exactly what make they are too. There you go. Um, shall we, shall we, they'll shall be we... on eBay within a few hours. <laughs> yeah, um, Mark, contact our people if you want them back. I'm sure we can come to some sort of arrangement. Um, shall we move on to after the game then? Because obviously it's your your first chance, really, Stewie, um, to have a chat with Kieran McKenna in a post game scenario in this new and upcoming season. Um, and there, there were a few interesting updates, weren't there, in terms of Backington, Hladke, uh, and other stuff. Anything you want to you want to pick out there? Uh, yeah, uh, what should I do? I was it through the injuries to start yeah. with. Obviously, we had Evans, Evans came back, he only played uh, sort of 20 minutes of that second half period. That was obviously a pre planned easing back in situation. Edwards, we've mentioned, um, played so there was there was two watching from the stands who who Ross Pat was Edmondson and Jackson, uh, were both there watching on, but not quite ready yet. They're, they're pretty close, but I think they've got a chance of being hopefully involved by the time the West Ham game rolls around in just over a week's time. Um, Burns and Baggett to, to link up with the squad middle of this week. Um, transfer situation. 
Um, Kieran McKenna, very happy to have got four in the door at, at a pretty early stage of, of pre-season. Um, obviously, they're, they're three free transfers and, and, loan, and alone in John Jules, but now wants to add a couple more, is what he said. Um, I would imagine there'll be transfer cash buyers and mm. you have to wait a little bit longer, be a bit more patient, wait for the market to start moving elsewhere. So we've talked about, is there going to be a, a marquee signing to come? Maybe it will be a striker. Might have to be a bit more of a, a waiting game on that one. But pleased with what he's done so far. Thinks he's addressed some of the uh, the issues that were in the squad last season. But yeah, a couple, couple more signings to come that we that we may have to wait on was, was kind of the verdict from him on that. Mm. And there were a couple of updates, weren't there, regards um, people who may be leaving or, or not arriving in Backington's case, because there was a, a story out towards the end of last week, wasn't there, that he's now training with uh, with Bristol's under-23s because Town have, have decided not to take up the option on him. There was a, a bit of a chat about that as well, wasn't there, Stewie? Yeah, it's pretty clear that Tyreek Backington hasn't got a future at Bristol City. Certainly while Nigel Pearson remains manager there, given his, mm. uh, his comments about Tyreek when he first went out on loan to Ipswich back in January. Ipswich had an option to buy clause in in that loan. Those option to buy clauses always have a date in them that you have to take it by a certain time. Nigel Pearson has said Ipswich haven't taken that option, so we'll we'll try and find a way to to sort of get through that that situation with Tyreek. Kieran McKenna's basically come out and said that's a little bit premature on Nigel's behalf. He doesn't believe that date has come yet. Um, they're still assessing their options, much the same as Burst and Selina, from my understanding, is both of those players um, went off into the summer with Ipswich saying, thank you, we've liked a lot of what you've done, but you know, you, you can go and assess your options, we'll assess ours and um, we'll see where, see where we go with both of you sort of thing. So obviously Ipswich have gone out and signed Dominic Ball now. There's a fair few bodies in that central midfield department with um, Evans, Morsi, Cameron Humphreys, who I thought had a very assured first half at the weekend, just just signed um, just signed his new contract to course. Idris El Mazzouni, uh, Raheem Harper back from loan. So you would imagine that it's looking less likely that Tyreek Backinson is coming back at the moment. But mm. um, Kieran McKenna hasn't completely shut the door on that. And then you mentioned Hlagki. Uh, our understanding last week with the web story we did was that Aberdeen were in negotiations to sign him. Derek McInnes, his manager there, his former St Mirren boss, Flacky, as we know, came in to be Ipswich's number one. Then they signed Walton. He sat on the bench for most of last season. He's not going to want to sit and see out the rest of his two-year contract being a number two. Um, but Ipswich weren't prepared to let him go for nothing. Aberdeen wanted him on a free. Ipswich said, hang on a minute, you've just sold. I think they've just brought in about £7 million in sales. You can spend a bit of money for him. Hundred grand was quoted in the Scottish media. We, my understanding is they wanted a little bit more than that, but it looks like Aberdeen have moved on now. They've signed uh, uh, Kelly Roos, the uh, experienced Derby goalkeeper. They've managed to pick him up on a free mm. over the weekend. So it looks like that interest has finished. Kieran McKenna basically said no update on that. He's an important part of our goalkeeping unit, but. From my understanding, there's there's several other clubs interested in Vaskov Hlagki, and my my feeling is that he'll he'll still end up leaving before before the uh, the transfer window closes. Excellent, that's a a brief but excellent um, sexy stuff update there from from Watto. Mike, we we all said uh, I think various times on this pod that six signings this summer seemed about right. So we've got four. There's hopefully maybe two more in the door, as McKenna's alluded to, to come. If they don't make a marquee signing, uh, and obviously so far they've been frees and, and names that maybe have been slightly underwhelming just from a name value point of view, are we bothered? If, they, if there's not, you know, a, a big name, as it were, coming through the door? Um, no, I don't don't see why we should be bothered. I mean, I don't, and I don't quite know what sort of big name we'd, we'd get. To be honest, I mean, you know, what sort of money are we going to spend? I mean, to, to get mm. this big name, it's it's, you know, the, the the pattern seems to have been not just no one's going to no, know the team that the owners not going to go out and start spending four or five million pound on a player or whatever. I mean, the wages might be one thing, but they're not going to pay the transfer fee in the first place. So, 
Um, I don't. I don't think it's look. There's there's plenty in that squad. Look, we're in League One for good sake. Look at that squad. If you're seriously telling me that squad is as it sits now is not capable of competing in the top six, then mm. we'll just pack up and go home because there's plenty of talent in that squad. Of course, it'd be great to get another one in, two in, three in, whatever. Are they going to suddenly spend? Are they suddenly going to you know find a, a, a marquee signing? I don't know. Stu will know that more than I will probably. I'm out as I'm sitting from outside where I'm looking in. That does you'd have probably got me in by now, would you? I mean, would that be the idea to make that big signing before pre, right on the start preseason? Uh, you know, I, I like you know, like it's hard to do you know? that. I think it's a bit like buying a house. You kind of get stuck. You can get stuck in a chain, and you're waiting for that domino effect. And you, especially now, I think with it being uh, a World Cup year, and they've had a lot of internationals recently so it starts from the top and a lot of premier league teams you like we talked about burns coming back late a lot of the big premier league teams give their internationals an extended break which means they mm. want to keep around there a lot of their youngsters to kind of fulfill the the various far flung tours to asia and america and, and wherever else and then they they hold on to them and until they can go down to the championship, then the championship won't let other players move on and, and so on. So Ipswich in League One get kind of caught now in a bit of a holding pattern, hmm. um, maybe until a little bit later in the summer. Those marquee signings, if you look back to last summer, Morsi, Walton, Selina, all happened on August 30th, August 31st. So it, it's all very well saying we want to get business done early. It's not always possible. And I think that's why it's quite been quite prudent, quite pragmatic to get the four players in the door that they have to get that mm. real good core in place to really drill them over pre-season. But always that that little icing on the cake sometimes has to has to wait until a bit later in the window. Mm. Um, well, I said we're going to do 45 minutes today, so we've got a few minutes left. I just want to move on. A couple of things we've touched on there. Just worth mentioning the dispatches in terms of other things that are happening in League One, which will obviously impact on, on Ipswich Town. One, you alluded to there... Um, Stewie Derby losing their keeper. That's because Derby are obviously in all sorts of trouble. Wayne Rooney has now departed. The, it looks like the takeover may be being done uh, under a new man, but clearly still all sorts of trouble there at Derby. And the other thing in terms of big names, and it doesn't get much bigger in League One than Scott Twine has left MK Don signed for Burnley on a four-year deal. Clearly one of the best players, if not the best player in League One last season. Um, Rossi, your thoughts on, on those things? Uh, Derby clearly... On paper, you would imagine to be a big, big threat to town uh, and any anyone hoping to go up. Uh, but without Wayne Rooney, losing players now, um, and the closer we get to the season, the, the worse it's going to get, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately. I'm, I've always been... I know a lot of town fans, they sort of would... Because Derby, they always put money, didn't they? Try to win their way to the to the playoffs. But um, I've always mm. had like, a little bit of a soft spot. I've got a few friends who are Derby fans. And of course, you know, if you've got a little soft spot for them because where you're from and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think I've seen that Liam Rossini has now become the interim manager yep. there. Um, so at least they've got that sorted and they're, they're just not going to have any players, are they? And we've, we had that same situation with Bolton. You know, Bolton, you know, we didn't know if we we're going to go to Bolton or not in, in League One that, that first season. And we went there and we won 5-0 and they had all their kids. Um, and then unfortunately they got relegated that season. But yeah, it's, um, it's a situation I hope they get sorted. Um, and, you know, we don't want them to disappear we want them to be they're a big club you know good stadium I'm looking forward to going to Pride Park again I haven't been there for a while and then Scott Twine what a player um, he's always destined to go to the championship I wasn't expecting Burnley but um, I think Vincent Company probably is a good pull maybe to mm. go there um, and I'm sure he'll he'll do well with Burnley and are they going to go straight up back to the Premier League after getting relegated we'll, we'll wait and see but yeah Scott Twine won't be playing against town next season which is a relief a little bit because he always sort of score some decent goals against us. It'd be really interesting to see how he how he does in the championship, wouldn't it? Because he, obviously he's absolutely ripped League One to shreds. So you'd imagine that would, that would transfer upwards into, into the championship and maybe even beyond. Um, but as you say, excellent that he won't be facing town next season. Um, right, in friends. There's some to... big departures in League One, hasn't there? He's starting to look at it. Everyone's sort of saying, oh, it's going to be stronger than ever, this division and some big clubs coming down. But there's nothing to suggest that Derby are going to be a force at the moment. They're in a complete no. mess. And even if the takeover goes through tomorrow, you know, they've got to get a, mm. they're going to have a rookie manager trying to suddenly piece together a completely new squad from, from scratch. So I'm not too famous last words, but at the moment uh, there's bigger threats elsewhere in that division. I would say mm. notably at the moment. And I think the bookies have now put them joint favorites with it, which is Sheffield Wednesday. who have gone out and signed 
two of Rotherham's key yeah. players, the team that just uh, got automatically promoted to the championship. So to go and to go and get Matt Smith, uh, how twenty plus goal striker and their captain and centre half Yikway. Uh, mm. is is a, a really strong move from them as well. They've got David Stockdale as well, who was Wickham's goalkeeper, who, who reached the playoff final. So um, I think Darren Moore's a really good manager. And uh, yes, they've they've seen a few key players depart in Massimo Luongo and others that have turned down Mendes Lang, who've turned down contracts, but still got Barry Bannon. They're they're the they're the team to watch at the moment. I think they've uh, they've got a really good squad. But yeah, others across. You know, you mentioned Scott Twine, Harry Darling's left MK Dons. Um, mentioned Stockdale leaving Wickham. Stewart, their centre half's gone up to Aberdeen as well. Um, Oxford have lost a couple of players in Sykes and Ryan Williams. So um, I think Ipswich are in a, at this stage of the summer. I think Ipswich are in a, in a decent little position at the moment in terms of having the core of their squad in place. So we'll see. I like it. Friends, I wanted to finish this week with an excellent thread, um, which one of the uh, the KOA fan social guys shared with us last week. Tom Baines, also owner of a fantastic beard. Probably I'd put I'd put Tom's beard slightly above yours, Ross, but obviously slightly below That's Mark, That's Mark, That's Mark Steed's. Steed is the A elite tier example of facial hair when it comes to Ipswich Town, I think. Anything to Ipswich Town. Um, uh, but Tom took the time to compare each of the, the kings to... Football managers. If Kings of Anglia pod hosts were football managers, and I've got to say, it was it was tremendous work. So I thought I would just finish by getting your thoughts on it. I'm going to start with you, Mike, because I think of all of them, Tom absolutely nailed yours. He says Mike Bacon is Ian Holloway, much loved, eh, great storyteller, definitely. Uh, we'll go off on funny tangents. Funny's debatable, but we'll certainly go off on tangents. Um, past glories, nostalgic. Mike, not not uh, shy to remind us that he was uh, he was green editor back in the day, and he loves the outdoors. I'm not really sure how that relates to in in Holloway, but there you go. Um, but in terms of comparisons, Mike, I couldn't think of a better one of a football manager than you and Ian Holloway. How do you feel about that? Mm, yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, thanks, Tom. I, I did. Uh, yes, I did. I did actually pretty, quite appreciate it. Thank you very much. Ian Holloway, of course, was very successful, which of course I have been. So um, that is also <laughs> another. You know, I surround. I look around at my fellow kings, and um, you know, Ian Holloway, very successful man, uh, like myself. So, um, I said that once. I've said it again. Yeah, I do tell stories a lot, and um, yes, I think it's very true. What wallowing a bit of a nostalgia? Yeah, of course I do. Wallowing nostalgia. You mean you mean wallowing in success? Exactly. <laughs> I've said it again. That's the third time I've said that. So there you go. Um, yes, I like Ian Holloway. Um, I find him quite. He's a chat, cheeky little chappy. He came Whipsish, of course, once as a, as a man. Mm. That's been fun. If, uh, but um, there you go. So Ian, it, yes, I I like him, and uh, and he says as he is as well. A little bit he doesn't take all this nancy pantsy ponty stuff that we see these days he sits on the programs um and he says one or two sort of um well he says it is a little bit which i like to do as well but but he keeps bleeping me or telling me to be quiet or has a word of the off pod about don't say that and don't say this and you do realize who listens to us don't you because you can't say that so i'm a bit like ian holloway yes and um Ooh. thank you very much tom i appreciate that very good my buttocks were firmly clenched when we launched into that bacon. <laughs> I know they were. That's why I did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a pod, a pod special. I know you've, you've got obviously your own spin-off series, Mike. If we can get you and Ian Holloway together for any reason, that would break all sorts of pod records. Um, and it I think a, an Ian Holloway intro had the, has the potential to go on longer than a Mike Bacon intro. <laughs> Mike Bacon intro um, yeah. I've been locked in some post-match press conferences, I think, at Millwall once. And I thought I was never going to get out. Ian Holloway was just, yeah, just never stopped. Goes off on so many tangents. That is a that is a great shout. I can't think of any manager better suited to being Mike's assigned man. Mike Bacon, Ian Holloway podcast called Telling It Like It Is. That would be set all sorts of records. Let's make it happen. Next up, Watto, our own Vin Diesel, our own The Rock. But Tom says, Stuart Watson is Ten Hag. Um, consistent performer in the top role. Agreed. He knows the players. He's a great scout. Well respected on the circuit. That's not what I've heard. Um, put him in the hot seat, and you and you don't know what you're getting. So he's saying, mm. "Watto, that you are ten hard new and, and and I'm bald. Uh, well, oh, clearly that's that's a yeah. key key comparison. How, key how do you component. feel about that one? Uh, I can I can adopt a, a Steve McLaren Dutch <laughs> Dutch accent if that helps. Um, 
I'll, I'll take I'll take all those descriptions on there. Yeah, that's, that's like fine it. by me. Obviously, you're most closely related to Vin Diesel now. Um, and Roscoe, you are James. I, had to, I have to admit, I had to Google this. You're um, you're James Robery. Good knowledge of a youth setup, cutting edge. Loves technology, certainly true. Younger, top prospect, clearly the prospect. Uh, and when you are in the podcast host seat, you're in the hot seat in your hometown. How do you feel about that comparison? I had to Google him as well, um, but <laughs> <laughs> standard. Um, but I, I think I, I think I could possibly be Kieran McKenna. You know? No, oh, I see. Yeah, because yeah, he's another another hot prospect and all that. But I don't know. Maybe Kieran McKenna's more intelligent than me, to be fair. So maybe not. Maybe. Uh, I'm, sure James, I'm sure James is as well. I'm sure he is, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, thanks, Tom. It was a good thread and, um, yeah, carry on. I like it. Andy Warren, obviously not here. Hutchie's still uh, in the sun with his hairy back. So I'll have to put this to him when he gets back. He was he was Graham Potter, tactical wizard, loves numbers and stats, Scandi vibes, well-travelled and a nice man. And just to wrap things up, I was Carlo Ancelotti. And he says, the Don with a horse's head. Not sure about that. Seen and done everything. Been in many battles, fiery spirit, cigar lover. Obviously, there's that fate, that famous uh, picture of Ancelotti smoking a cigar with the with his players in the way. He looks like kind of half mafia boss, half hip hop icon, um, which I enjoyed. I, obviously, myself, I prefer Brian Clough because Clough was the greatest manager who's ever done it. Um, but there you go. I very much enjoyed that thread. So let us let us know what you think uh, about Tom's work. Any other comparisons you'd like to make? On your Kieran McKenna comparison, Ross, I think I think Kieran McKenna might might be able to pass his driving theory test. <laughs> I was which, come um, to this. Yeah. How are we doing <laughs> on this? You're still having some difficulties with, aren't you? Like, uh, like who knows what a Ford is, eh? Hey? Like, honestly, well, every, most, every, people, like, most people, no, like who lives? I don't live in the countryside, so you don't need to live. I've in asked, the I've asked loads of different people about this, and they don't have a clue. I asked Dan Palfrey at the club; he didn't know what it was. So there we go. <laughs> Do you know what do you do you, do you not chuck, do you know chuck him under the bus? Do you know what a cow is? Uh you can eat it and you can milk it. <laughs> you know what one is then. Yeah. Yes. You'd re- you'd recognise a picture of one on a road sign. That's yeah. Um yep. despite not living in the country. Rossi, yeah, when when is uh when's your next um, failing of, of the theory test? <laughs> um it is next week. I actually realized we got a, we got an important meeting next week, didn't we? And I actually realized that I booked at the same time for that meeting, so I've had to rebook it for another time. So thankfully, but um shall we, Monday... shall we, shall we send someone along to do it for you? Just um just can you, do that? can you do that? Well, no, obviously not <laughs> legally. <laughs> like a te- like a teddy bear or something. Yeah. <laughs> Ah oh dear. Um, obviously, look forward to, to more updates from that when you've when you've sat it. Um, we are going to have a right party. And then, of course, all you've got to do is actually pass the test itself. <laughs> yep. So uh, there we go. Hopefully, we'll be driving by the time this time <laughs> next year. Um, friends, anything else to mention? I said forty-five minutes. We're hitting fifty. Um, anything else to mention before we we take our leave this week? Rossi's got his hand up. What is it? Um, I just want to give a shout out to um, Pat McShay. I think that's what I've said it right. He um, sent us a message on Instagram. And he basically showed us a picture of all the retro Umbro shirts from the 90s. Um, he loves the pod. He said, keep up. Always enjoys it. And um, so shout out to him, pretty much. And they do look pretty smart. All, you know, original Umbro shirts. So, fair play, Pat. Like That's the most shirts. Irish name I've ever yeah. heard. <laughs> Pat McShay. Likes throwback yeah. shirts. Likes the Kings of Anglia podcast. Clearly a man of exceptional taste, Pat. Thanks for getting in touch, and, and it's great to have you on board. Uh, Mickey, Stu, anything else to mention? Stu, I assume you're going to go bang out some press-ups and eat some eggs now? Uh, yeah, just raw, <laughs> cracking them into my mouth. It's boring, but it's my life. How much, I mean, there's a, there's a cliche in American sport every summer uh, in the off-season. Players come back having added 15 pounds of muscle to their frame. It's something that they say all the time in American sport. How much, how much... Um, Extra extra uh, poundage in terms of sheer rock hard muscle have you added? Do you reckon so far? Aren't, no you, even, aren't you even men- Aren't you even measuring? I've got no idea, mate. I've got no <laughs> idea. But I'm, I'm, which, I'm, I'm. I'll take the compliments. Which way? Very much. Which way's the beach? <laughs> I'm like, can I borrow your vest for next time? <laughs> or, uh, maybe I'll do that. Cut Amazing. my sleeves off. Absolutely, Mickey. Have you got anything else to mention? I assume you you go off and have a, a little cup of tea now with the. With your man, the, the builder. I've forgotten whose nephew is or son or whatever it was. That's Graham. Graham, Graham the Shutterman. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to go and see. Uh, 
I'm going to see how he's getting on. Um, he's probably got a cup of tea as well, but he's been up there. He's been banging and crashing. I've been, I've been trying to put it on mute, which I don't usually do on these uh, podcasts. I don't really have enough technology around here without being able to go on and off mute. But uh, I hope I've managed to sort of come through it all right, because um, I think he's crashed through one of the floors up there. I don't know what he did a little while ago, but um, <laughs> just going to pop and see him in a minute. It'd be amazing so, so... if we just saw his legs come through the ceiling <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'd actually quite, quite, I quite like to get going if you don't mind. Um, if yeah, that's fine. Graham, Graham the Shutter Man. I look forward to more adventures with Graham, <laughs> Graham next time. Friends, that brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Just a reminder, please, to, to support our sponsor, Manscaped. Use the code KOAManscaped.com for 20% off and free delivery. Thank you, Rossi. There he is flashing up for those of you watching. Some tremendous stuff on there, including the new range of boxes, which are brilliant. I can highly recommend. So get involved there. And also follow us across all our social medias, Kings of Anglia on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, especially YouTube, please, because we're building that. And also, we have not had a five-star review on iTunes for a while, so quite like a few of those this week, if that's okay. Um, and if you can call yourself Graham the Shutter Man, that'd be tremendous. <laughs> so, we, so we know that you've uh, we know that you've listened, or indeed, Mark Steed, if you do listen, leave us a review, Mark. Do you want to whack those sunglasses on, Rossi, one last time uh, for the outro? So what we've learned today is, is Town are back. Ipswich Town are definitely going to win the league. They've won 7 nil. In their first, wow, that was a very dramatic putting on of the glasses, Rossi. Worth if you if you're just listening to this, worth going to watch the video just for that. But we've also learned what make Mark Steed's glasses are. Friends, where else would you get that? Have a great start to the week, and we'll speak to you next bloody ruddy time. From true crime to football, Brexit to postal. More great podcasts from Archon. Head to audioboom.com/slash Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash archon.